Hello, I'm uh, Carte Beau. I'm director and chief curator at uh, MOMU, Antwerp's Fashion Museum. And I'm very happy to um, welcome Dries van Oten today for this um, Polymoda duet. I had the honor and pleasure to um, host Dries' exhibition Inspirations at MOMU in 2015. And um, still up to today, it's been our most successful and most um, visited exhibition. Uh, we also host a large archive of Reese's work at MOMU um, from the very first collection up to um, today. I think, Dries, you need very little introduction as a designer. You've been uh, around in the industry for more than three decades. I think you're one of the most respected names um, within the industry. Um, so welcome. Um, how are you? Hello, Kat. Hello, everybody. I'm, I'm very good. Uh, strange times, I think. That's, I think, for everybody. But uh, thinking about everything what's happening in the world, in fact, we can be still be quite happy and everything goes quite well. So, so the, the Fashion Museum is only two kilometers, I think, away from your headquarters um, in Antwerp. So it's a bit strange. We're almost neighbors that we cannot do this interview live. Um, I think that, like most of us, you and your team have been working remotely uh, for most of the time for the past uh, 10 months. And I wondered how this uh, affected your, your work, uh, your design work, your creative process. So it's, it's of course, it's, it's, a, it's a new reality. And I think uh, in the beginning of the crisis, uh, when we went for the first time in lockdown, March, April, May, to say honestly, I was quite panicking because you didn't know, nobody knew in fact how we could work, what options we had. Now, of course, we, we Zoom and we do all those things. In, in that time, it was all new. So it was also experimenting to see what creativity can you still have when you can't touch fabrics, when you can't meet people, when you can't see with a wink of an eye what somebody means and things like that. Uh, now we we are getting more used to it, although that we see now also that that it's working by Zoom and on distance, of course, has its limitations. Uh, so making patterns uh, at home with the pattern makers, that's still possible. But doing fittings, uh, all those things getting very complicated. The models are walking around always with face masks. You have to stay as much as possible to one meter and a half social distancing. So. Um, yeah, you really start at a certain moment and say, okay, just can you try for one minute uh, to, to present an outfit maybe then without the face mask, we all take distance, just have a quick walk up and down. It feels nearly, you feel nearly guilty that you just asked somebody to take off like for a short break. Uh, but it, it's, it's, yeah, it's a difficult time. But on the other hand, we also embrace the limitations. Uh, so. Mm -hmm. I think when you're really creative, okay, you see this is not possible, that's not possible. Uh, but when you embrace the limitations, if you make the best of it, you have a very positive uh, energy in that way. And this helps also. And I think the collections we are working on now are challenging collections. They are interesting. We question ourselves every day as we did in the past, like, does it make sense? Because, of course, the crisis also changes enormously how people look to fashion, mm -hmm. to luxury and all those things. Mm -hmm. uh, quite early on in this pandemic, you, you took the lead in, in an open letter um, to the industry. You got a lot of attention with this letter. And in this letter, you were calling out for fundamental changes um, in the industry. We're about, um, I think, eight months later now. Do you feel that 
there are changes the industry is changing real change systemic change or is it too early i think it's quite early of course there are changes and i think the fact that people already dare to think about it and talk about it is already like a big change because before uh, everybody in the fashion industry was on, on his own little island and there was very little communication between the different designers fashion houses uh, also kind of the big institutions like the Camera de la Moda and the Chambre Syndicale. And you clearly feel there that there's now really like open discussion about a lot of things. I think it would be a pity that once uh, the, the, the whole COVID situation is over, that we would just restart in the way that we were working before. I think uh, everybody felt already before the crisis that something had to change. The rhythm was too fast, too far, too many collections. Uh, too much product whatever what uh, new 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 every every month again something else uh, buyers and press flying around the world uh, to see fashion shows from Japan to, uh, to Brazil to everywhere where it was just getting far too much mm -hmm. so you feel now that a lot of people really want to change things of course it's very difficult times for everybody. So I think first now everybody wants to change things. Sometimes changes are also more costly and also implicate again some risks that you have to take. So when I think risks is now something maybe that certain people don't want to take because everybody, I think most of the fashion houses, especially the independent ones, are in rather fragile uh, situations. So. There is definitely a change. You feel that people are talking more about sustainability. I think most most people's mm -hmm. collections became smaller already. You have, of course, the fact that there is no fashion shows anymore. Uh, all the creative solutions everybody tries to find to still to, to make a nice presentation, to to share the emotion of a collection without that you have an actual real model walking in front of you. So it's a very exciting time. So don't think it's going to be a revolution there is going to be an evolution and uh, it's going to take its time but i'm very optimistic in that way um about this 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 notion of of slowing down um you've also mentioned that you 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 felt everything uh, we, we need to to bring to, to make things smaller again less product uh, if I look at the situation in Belgium we we lost most of our textile industry um, last century when you started out as a, as a student, uh, end of the 70s, um, the textile industry was in a big crisis and the Belgian government started like a, a textile plan with large investment um, um, in the industry, which in the end didn't work out, as we all know. Um, but do you, do you feel that um, um, uh, the offshoring and the delocalization that we went through and, and we all thought for, I think, a very long time we could not um, um, bring this back. Is this maybe an option? Do you believe in, in, in a notion like localism? Can we maybe have like small uh, manufacturing facilities back? Um, is that something, because that, that would be a big change. Is, is that something you believe in or is that just a naive idea? I think I think bringing uh, really the, 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 the art, let's say, and the skills back to Belgium, it's going to be super complicated. But I think now uh, that was in the 80s when we were talking about that we still mm -hmm. had the facilities here in Belgium. Now, I think in the meantime, of course, we have Europe. The world became like one big uh, country. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think that that we have to focus especially to keep the skills alive and and thriving in places where they are still where they still are. So I think we do have to do efforts to have like all the specialists who are there in Lyon uh, to make the most incredible velvets and silks and things like that. Really, we have to support them. So it costs a lot of money. One meter of fabric is like sometimes 100 euros, 150 euros sometimes for a meter of fabric. But when you explain what it is, you make clever garments in it. People are open for things like this. But of course, where in the past we counted that, that we were quite how shall I, pretentious, I think, in fashion, that we said like, okay, we can make clothes, they can cost a lot of money, and we don't have to explain really mm -hmm. why they are, I guess they are so expensive. I think, first of all, we have to start now to explain. People want to know. We have to explain why designer clothes are more expensive than pieces from Zara and H&M. So where the differences are. So I think if we can share with them to show, look, this is made in Lyon on wooden looms from the 1920s. This is handmade in Italy. Uh, in Florence, where you have then still a factory which make the most beautiful leather tassels and those, those type of things. Right. So that is all information which we have to share. And I think if everybody does a little bit of effort, we can keep that already in Italy. We can keep that in France. There are still like some good knitwear manufacturers left in Belgium. Mm -hmm. So if we work with them in a very right way and we explain it, I think that I clearly see the future for them. Yeah. So bringing back things which we lost, that's going to be very difficult because there you have to go then to the education and all those things because then that way you need to really like the schools again. So maybe in the long term, yes. Yeah. On the other hand, I think yeah, the whole local uh, atmosphere, what you see also in food and in so many different um, crafts and, and skills. So it, it's there, but I think we have to see it a little bit bigger than only Belgium or only Italy. I think yeah. see European uh, scale, that's really like a good start. But for me, the world is like one big country. And I know that embroidery now, you have two countries who still can do it. It's like uh, India and it's China. I prefer to work in India because they still mm -hmm. have kind of something very personal what they add. Also those people, even in those difficult times, I try to support them as much as I can. My people can't uh, go anymore to India mm -hmm. really for eight months, but still we make exciting uh, products. We, did, we discovered now also Zoom to India. It doesn't always function so well, but still it's okay. And uh, we do now another type of embroidery, which we can explain by Zoom and, and another type of garment, but they look very exciting. Okay, interesting. Um, you've been, working for, for more than 30 years um, in the industry. So this is this is not the first crisis you, you encounter. I think you started your company um, second half of the 80s at, at the time when you um, started your presentations in Paris, beginning of the 90s, we were facing a huge um, economic recession. Then the beginning of the new millennium, there was 9-11, which had a huge impact on, on, on fashion as an industry. 2008, we saw the financial crisis, but we also encountered um, important social movements like very recently the Me Too movement or um, Black Lives Matter. Um, how had these crises um, um, have an effect on your um, brand in both um, uh, a business way, but also in a creative way? And, and what makes this crisis different? This crisis is completely different. Um because it's so global, it's all over the world. 
uh, when I think about uh, crisis before, like when in the 90s or something like, like, like that, like the, the first um, war in Kuwait or, or mm-hmm. 2008 or 9-11, okay, then maybe there was a big crisis in, in America, but then Asia was thriving, Japan was still there and things like that. Now it's really the first time it's completely global. Okay, some countries are doing better than other ones, but still it's all over the world. So that's quite different. Um, of course, the thing the thing is like Black Lives Matters and Me Too, it's something else for me than a financial crisis. It, it's mm-hmm. more kind of a creative response that you have to give. And now, of course, we are also forced to find more kind of a, a business response because uh, on the COVID crisis, what happened now, we really have to be, we have to play it very smart. Uh, we have to work really very de- to get very close together with our distribution. We have to talk uh, daily to the people who buy our collections to see how we can help, what we can do, uh, how they can help us. In fact, it's really, again, there you really clearly see there is now a communication where in the past, okay, we were vendors and they were buyers. So it was a very simple construction. Now it's really like working together. What can we do? What can we do to support them? How can we communicate in a different way? That's all things which we are trying to do now to see what, what. But of course, I expect, especially in 21, that still quite a lot of, of problems going to arise because mm-hmm. quite a lot of the smaller stores, but also the big stores, had enough resources to, to survive one season. Uh, everybody in the last year, in uh, this, this year in spring, thought, okay, it's uh, going to be finished in autumn. It's not finished in autumn, and now I think everybody realizes also that spring is also going to be seriously damaged. Uh, so let's hope that business is going to get better again in autumn 21. But you see there that that it's it's a strange situation where we are in now. So we're going to lose clients. We're gonna we're gonna find things which are happening. It's going to create also new opportunities. So ecom is doing quite well. Uh, maybe that when a big store stops in a, in a certain city, that maybe it gives place for a smaller store, more local store. Because there you see also a kind of an evolution that started already like two, three years ago that you have now in less expensive neighborhoods in cities, like young people starting again, like a multi-label store. I mean, you see in the long term, it started in the 80s all with multi-label stores. Then you had kind of big department stores, then you had the mono-label stores mm-hmm. and all the multi-label stores nearly disappeared. Now you have again, like in every city, uh, like multi-label stores coming up, young people find some local, especially local small brands, but having some bigger designers, maybe have some exclusive ranges of sportswear brands. So you see those mixtures popping up. So you see again there, even in difficult times, there's always hope. Yeah, and also you yourself in this very complex um, um, situation where you have to reinvent yourself and your, your brand every day, you found the time to open a new store. Um, and I was very much um, intrigued by the notion of collaboration um, that's at, at, the, at the core of that store. So you opened the store in, in LA and you describe it as a laboratory. You not only show your own um, um, collections, you have a space where you can do exhibitions. You, you present the work of fellow designer Anne Möllemeister, her ceramics and light designs. You also show the work of a longtime collaborator of you, Christoph Hefti, his textile work. But you also um, collaborate with um, local LA-based um, artists. Is it the crisis that, that uh, uh, brought this aspect of collaboration to a new level in your, in your work? 
Um, the story in Leo was really an adventure. So when I read in end of February, beginning of March, that uh, uh, opening ceremony was going to close, uh, I thought immediately about that story in LA. I visited it only five years ago. I think that was the last time I was in LA, five years ago. I saw the space and I liked the dynamic of it. So, um, of course, in the middle of the crisis, the lockdown, everybody said like, okay, now the future is going to be really for e-com. So I love e-commerce. I think it's very important. I think it has its place, but I still believe in brick and mortar that there is really clearly a future. But the crisis also, the, the, the whole uh, COVID uh, situation made also clear that something has to happen. Just open a store and say, my clothes are the most beautiful and you have to buy them. That's not enough anymore. So you have to, to curate kind of your collection. Mm -hmm. You have to curate your store and you have really to, uh, to that people can come there and that they can learn and see something. And that there is on one hand, there is the explanation. Uh, my staff is very well trained in LA that they can explain the how and the what of the garments. But I wanted to have that also, yeah, like because it's 800 square meter store, I really wanted to have the opportunity there to mix it in with music, with, with art, with all those different things, which I like and which I think for me gives the store also the reason of being. So we work together with young uh, LA artists who paint directly on the wall. I didn't want to have kind of paintings uh, on a hook. I really wanted to have that really kind of street art painted directly on the wall. We have, uh, we work together with uh, local galleries. We have uh, people who make selections of music for us, uh, vinyl records, which we have also special corridor of, where we have uh, people like Devendra Banhart, uh, Nile Rogers, who make every month kind of a selection of, the, of their favorite records. So it's so, so many different things and you clearly feel that there is an enthusiasm for that aspect of a store. So that people know that clothes are kind of an, embedded in a real world and that there is also kind of a collaboration and, and a space for, for, yeah, collaborations in all the widest way of thinking about collaborations. So not only, okay, I go to one of the big sportswear brands and I make the sneaker, uh, the sneaker mm -hmm. of the season or something like that. No, for me, it's really like talking with an artist, see things. I don't always have to collaborate with them. It, for me, it's also already enough that the people who I really respect just that I give them the space and the possibility to show like the ceramics of Anne or the carpets mm -hmm. uh, and the beautiful textiles from Christoph Hefti. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm um, very interested in this, this aspect of collaboration within your career. You, you started as a student collaborating with, with your fellow designers, which ended up in in the in the famous Antwerp Six collective, which you actually never um, formally communicated yourself, you were baptized by press as the Antwerp Six. But it was already there was this notion of co collaboration, which was not, I think, um, um, stimulated by the school, but it was really an initiative of of you as as young um, designers and, and students to, to collaborate. But you have been collaborated, I think, all over your your career. If I think of your fashion shows, um, how um, rich of ideas and concepts and, and collabora collaboration your your shows are. Um, if I think of, of a recent collaboration with Christian Lacroix, which I think was also a very special collaboration because it was not him adding something to your collection, it was the both of you, your both creative worlds coming together in in one collection. And I, I see your story in LA as a sort of next level of collaboration. You're actually merging 
a museum with a performance place, with a platform for young talent, with a retail space. Is that kind of future for, for fashion retail for you? Is that sort of new ways you want to explore? And is it come, does it come natural within your career? I think it comes quite natural, especially now. I think it's important that it's, it's really, when you look at the situation where we are in now, I think if you want to excite the, the clients, the consumers, it's a very ugly word, the consumers, mm -hmm. the people who buy the clothes, um, okay, the clothes have to be great, but you have to do more. And I think um, for me, I've been always a very open-minded in that direction. I think even when the Antwerp Six, we didn't saw each other as competitors. There was a healthy competition between us, but if we had, if we needed an advice, we always could could reach out to each other, and that was no problem. So there's always like a very open collaboration, in fact, between us. Uh, later on, also with with Etienne Rousseau, when I started to do the fashion shows, it was always kind of a creative ping pong. Uh, I'm not a person who wants to do kind of a creative dictator. It's not that me who says like, okay, that's the way that I see it, and that's the way how you have to do it. No, I like to work together with the team. That's why also when I talk about uh, Dries van Holten, I always say like we and I never say me because I see myself, okay, I'm a creative person, but who am I when I don't have my team around me and all the people which I work together with? So it's more like a family because I like also once I like to work together with a person, those people sometimes stay very long time with me. I think the proof is at the end of the show for the fashion shows. It's like from the beginning, uh, like it's 30 years now that we do the whole uh, the whole uh, career together of fashion shows and everything. So it's it's uh, yeah, collaboration. It's it's who are you? So I think we have to we have to to be creative, not only in making our collections, but to see what chance we can give to people. When I look to to the work that I did together with Christian. Um, Christian's collection in the 80s was really very far and completely different than what I was doing in the 80s. But still there was kind of a mutual respect for each other. And when I was reaching out to Christian, immediately said like, yes, why not? Okay, let's do that. And talking about creative ping pong there, it was really creative ping pong. And that was really very nice because I, he learned me so much, but I, I learned him also quite a lot of things like where that um, sometimes the opulence can be really beautiful. The straightforwardness of, of my vision also, he appreciates it now also. He sees also like the day version, like the casual version, the whole, all those things. So it was a very exciting time. And the store in LA is now for me is the next step because there again, we work together with people. We give them the opportunity. And we are talking now, of course, with COVID, quite a lot of the initial ideas are now have to wait until COVID crisis is over. But still, you're going to see there that there is, there's going to be a lot of fun, I think. And with, with, when I think about the collection, what we're going to present now next summer, which is uh, based on uh, artwork from uh, Len Lai, <coughs> an artist from New Zealand from the 1930s and 40s. So we work now together with the museum in New Zealand to do presentations in LA, in Shanghai, but also in other stores where we're going to present the films so that people start to know better who Len Lai is. And in that way, I hope that young people maybe who don't have the budget to buy really the pieces from, from the collection will come to the store just to see those beautiful films and maybe to, to go home with the book 
which is also already like a nice ID that you can that you can share things like this. I I like I'm very intrigued that you that you almost picking up the role as of, of a museum or a gallery and as a, a a museum director or curator I'm very interested by that um, how you you actually curate and and you say you're also now collaborating with a museum in New Zealand that you you're showcasing films um, also in your store you have two archive rooms where you you show your older work work you didn't want to put on sale um, that you thought was too too precious you I think in in Asia you also uh, launched a, a series of archive bags that were made from uh, fabrics uh, from your archive um, do you like the the the, the, the curational aspect um, I, I don't see the the archive rooms is not for me it's, it's not only about curation but I think the initial idea in LA was also to make it more like like a circular system so that people who buy clothes and they don't uh, want to keep them anymore that they could bring them back and that we have that kind of a vintage store of course COVID there also killed the idea because I don't think people are going to be really interested to wear now clothes which somebody else has been wearing so from there came the idea we have here a very big stock uh, so I don't touch my archive uh, old uh, looks but we have a big stock of pieces going back already like from the 90s and 2000 things which are always said like oh this I don't want to put in sale uh, I think they are too beautiful too precious the embroidery is too well done so we keep them and now we put those things there in the store and people really like the idea that things fashion that a beautiful garment is just a beautiful garment and it's not because it was made three years ago or five years ago mm -hmm. that it's less beautiful. So people start to see that that whole system of the seasonality, that it's maybe that's a little bit outdated. So I think on the long term, for me, fashion is that you make nice clothes and that every time again you add things to your wardrobe and that things don't go out of fashion anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think it would the, the concept of fashion maybe is a bit outdated, is a little bit old. Yeah, absolutely. I think it. it I think the, the the industry has been devaluating its its own products for for a very long time. So um, I think it's very right to 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 try to to focus on the value of of um, of creation. I want to come back to this notion of um, collaboration because I can imagine that. Um, um, the, the creative process of, of collaborating with other uh, creatives is, is not always easy. If I look at fashion education, I think we still um, um, train our uh, fashion students to become individual designers. How important do you see the notion of collaboration within fashion education or just creativity? I think, uh, okay, you... On one hand, okay, fashion designers have to be individual. You have to have your own vision. But I think when you look to most fashion houses, it's teamwork. You have everywhere like designers, young, young assistants, you have all those people. So if you want it or not, you, you work together with other people. Uh, I think in my beginning years, of course, I wanted to show my own idea. Now I think I, I developed my vision. My vision, I think, is strongly enough developed that I really easily can work mm -hmm. with, with, uh, with somebody else and that we can see the value which it adds also because um, I made already so many collections 
for me to to make good collections have to stay excited and uh working together with with somebody else does exactly that so when you dive in the work of uh, exist uh, still existing and not uh existing collection or designer or mm -hmm. or if you work together with with an artist um living or not living anymore so it really adds something it challenges you you have to to try to start to think a little bit like he things so without copying him. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's important their collaboration of course can be really beautiful when you don't try to copy then the way of thinking of the other person or the, or the artist. I think you um, maybe one of the best examples I can give to about that is when I made the collection um, inspired on the work of Francis Bacon. Mm -hmm. uh, the starting point of the collection was not like let's make a collection inspired on Francis Bacon. Let's make a collection which is inspired on the emotion what you feel when you see the exhibition of Francis Bacon, because it was a big exhibition in London in 2007-2008, which I saw, and for me, when I came out of that exhibition, I was so flabbergasted, it was so strong, that work. I said, for me, the collection has to look like that emotion it's not that okay what color does he use and how does he certain uh, obtain certain things for me okay the emotion is there and that's for me in the same way that you have the joy and the, the abundance from Christian Lacroix's work which we translated in my way than in the collection so it's always to find the right balance mm -hmm. um, you you uh, mentioned emotion um I think that emotion is really at, at the core of, of your work. If you um, go to your fashion shows, there were numerous fashion shows where I, where I saw people in tears um, because they were so moved by, by your work. Um, because of the crisis, a, a fashion show, a physical presentation is, is not possible anymore. So you had to make the shift to digital um, um, presentations. How, how hard was that for you? And uh, do you feel that genuine emotion is possible within a digital presentation? Um, it was a challenge. It was not very easy, um, especially because we didn't know how we could work, where we could get models from, uh, uh, who could be the photographer and things like that. So I was very happy when I reached out to Vivian Sassen, the Dutch photographer mm -hmm. and artist, that she said yes, uh, because of course, that was really quite easy for us because it was just like 50 kilometers further on we went to the seaside and we made uh, we made a shoot and then we went to a studio nearby uh, amsterdam where we did then the second day of the shoot with the projections uh, on it so it was a challenge it was also the first time that i combined men's and women's where in in the, in the whole presentation normally i have a men's fashion show and a women's fashion show now that is the budget wise and everything and time wise it was not really possible so we make one big explanation for it. and this all these all those images we sent out to present buyers and the reactions were really very positive because what people liked is that uh, when we communicated in that way it was like little clips of the models dancing. You have the photo shoot of 50 pictures. There was a small video of me explaining the full collection. Uh, and the video was uh, a moment that, of course, as it was video, I could really concentrate on what I was saying. So it was a clear explanation of the collection. 
because after a fashion show backstage, you're so emo- uh, there is so much emotion and there is such a difficult time. And then you have to say in five minutes to 10 journalists, in fact, what our collection was about. Now I really had the luxury that I could mm. explain very clearly what our collection was about. There was like a whole section of the films of Len Lai. There was explanation who Len Lai was. So it was not only like some images, it was like the full explanation. And people loved it. They loved it. Said like, in fact, this is much more interesting than a fashion show. We learn something about an artist which we we don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can look at the clothes. We can come back to that. So when we don't, uh, when we want to see it with different eyes, okay, the day after they opened it again, they looked again to it. So it's a completely different way of looking uh, to something. And there again, for me, it was really like a lesson that that. Fashion is communication, but we maybe we, a fashion show is not enough as communication. And I think now, for the future, once we can do fashion shows again, maybe there's going to be a different type of fashion show. Maybe it can become smaller again. Maybe there has to be more explanation of who we are, what we do, why we do, and all those things. Because people are genuinely are really interested in that. Yeah, yeah I, I've always found it a, a pity um... Uh, if you go to your fashion shows, it's 15, maximum 20 minutes. And uh, if you then afterwards read the review, it's about the clothes, sometimes it's about the general setting or idea. But there's so much information and so many ideas that are never communicated within reviews. If I just think of the, the, the music and the soundscapes of, of, of your shows, um, who you've collaborated with, uh, all the energy and time and budget that went into this 15 minutes of, of, of music and nobody writes about it. I've always thought it was just material for a, a specific exhibition. Um, some of your shows are really like a, a Gesamtkunstwerk. Is it is it an idea that that you, if you ever again do fashion shows, that you do this storytelling about your shows and all the collaborations and ideas that, that went into it? Uh, That's a little bit the direction we are, we are starting to think also that, of course, with the rhythm of four fashion shows a year, it's a lot. And I think there, that's also the first thing that we learn now, is that to have to, to explain a collection to the press that, that there are other ways than doing purely fashion shows. Mm. I think that's going to be very interesting. Maybe that we're going to reduce the quantity of fashion shows from four to two a year. And then, of course, maybe people also will spend more time on it because now a fashion show of 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and people already have to run to the next one. Maybe yeah. when everybody does just a few less fashion shows, that after the fashion show itself, that you can take your time to talk with the designer, to explain all those things. So there are so many opportunities which we didn't never did dare to think about before the crisis started. And now I think it's, it, we are forced to think, and it's also an eye-opener to see how many possibilities there are. And um when i talked with press when i presented the collection everybody said like oh we thought we were going to really to miss the fashion shows and we thought that mm-hmm. with a few shows which were there there in milan and a few in paris that we would feel envy oh people from paris can see that show and we can't be there in fact those shows for most of the journalists was a little bit like awkward a little bit misplaced and mm-hmm. not really appropriate maybe to do now in this time's fashion show and they really they they embrace enormously all those those presentations and also mm. to have the possibility to talk directly to your two designers. And I think especially there for young designers, beginning designers, there is a huge opportunity 
because of course as a young designer how can you challenge when you have the DOs at the Celerance with the mega spectacles and things like this I think now there is really going to be the possibility that you can that journalists rediscovered the direct contact with people that that something small can be even much more enriching as a person as a journalist that as a fashion lover that you can learn so much more when you don't go only to the big fashion shows yeah for young people just really like now an opportunity to grab yeah i i agree because i think that the past few years i think a lot of people were complaining within the industry they were tired and they had to run from one show to another I think it was all, all, always more and more difficult to surprise to surprise people or to really inspire people. So I agree that I think that there are a lot of new opportunities and and um, that it will also I think make make designers creative in 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 a different way. Um, so I think that that's very very exciting. Um, a question I wanted to ask you also is. When are you successful as a fashion designer? What what means success for you in in fashion or success as a designer? I think success is the moment that you feel as a creative person that you managed to put something out there and that people love it. And that can be uh, somebody who at home makes himself some clothes and that's it. And put them on on internet and sells them and try to sell them in that way. Uh, even the commercial aspect is not too important. I think you, know, all, you can be successful when you participate in uh, a contest or that, and, and you see that people react on it. I think that for me is, is that the sign that you're a successful designer. For me, it has nothing to do with turnover and business figures and these type of things. I think the reality now is going to be that we have the most exciting young talents. It's not going to follow the traditional system of, of, of mm -hmm. uh, what we were doing like and it's not going to be like the big fashion business i think now it's going to be much more interesting to follow like all those young people who work maybe somewhere in the countryside somewhere maybe in a village that nobody heard of in italy and makes kind of with the local products uh, some handcrafted things super exciting and very very important for the future i think mm -hmm. so you you think you believe there's still a future for for independent designers because you yourself most of your career you've been working as an independent designer and it's only very recently that you've welcomed uh, an investor in your your brand uh, Pooch. do you do you feel there's still a future for independent designers i think there, uh, there is definitely a, a future for, for independent designers absolutely i hope so uh, the reason why i uh, started to work together with Pooch is that unfortunately i'm not getting younger and I have my responsibility towards my team. Uh, my team, quite a lot of people here in the company work already for 20 or 25 years uh, in the company. And I simply didn't want to be forced at a certain moment in a few years time to say like, sorry people, I had it, mm -hmm. I close. Uh, so bye bye, thank you for everything what you did. So in that way for me, I had to first think like, is there enough to tell in the house of Dries van Melton without that I have to tell it myself. So is there, is there another designer who can come in and do with the key 
ideas of the house, what we're standing for with prints and fabrics and colors and embroideries and all those things, are there still the new visions which can be done? And I said, I felt like sure that can be done. So that's why we approached somebody and say like, okay, that is definitely once I stop, there's still a future for the house we open. Mm -hmm. I've always find it really weird. I think fashion is the only art discipline where the, the name of, of a creative lives on or is sold to, to, to someone else and someone else designs or creates in the name of the, the original designer. If you think of it, it it's quite easy, it's quite weird, and I've sometimes wondered what what's whether it's always relevant to to do that. Does it scare you? It scares me, but I think that's also why we selected to work together with a house like Butch, who has a lot of, of respect for for the vi of the vision which I mm -hmm. put together here in my house. Of course, for some brands, it's simply the, the, the name that they continue and whatever design they put there, it becomes something else. I clearly hope, uh, I think there are enough examples where you clearly see uh, that when a strong designer comes in with maybe different vision, but mm -hmm. respecting a little bit of clothes of the house, you see what's happening with Galliano at Margiela. I think it's fantastic how they, they do it. It's really super, super interesting. And I think there also he blends really his vision perfectly with the vision of Martin. So I think, I hope really that for, in my case also, that we can mm -hmm. find somebody who does it in the same way and that are going to be really surprised to see kind mm -hmm. of a new take on Dries Van Okay. Um, maybe a last question, because um, we're doing this talk in, in the scope of a, of a fashion school, Polymoda. Um, what advice would you give um, uh, the students of today uh, who are about to enter the fashion industry tomorrow and especially in these very insecure times, what advice would you give them? Well, there's a lot of advice which I would like to give uh, to students. So I think especially try to enjoy yourself. I think that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. uh, don't be over ambitious. I think you have to be super ambitious, but try to, to not to be over ambitious because Fashion is really super hard and uh, it's a lot of work. You have to do, you have to work a lot. You have to to continue your life. But but when you, once you start with your own company or your, your own uh, collections and things like that, you lose so much and you and it's so tough. So I'm always sad to see that some young people come from fashion to dream immediately to become like the next Balenciaga or the next Beast or whoever. So I say like, oh, please go, go slow. When I see to our career, we, start, we came out of fashion school mm -hmm. in 81. And it took me five years before I started my own brand. And we, we started really very, very small. We didn't mm -hmm. start meeting with fashion shows and the whole thing. So especially the times we, are, we have now in front of us, there are so many opportunities and the way things which we've been talking about. So there are challenges, but there are also a lot of opportunities. So grab them. Yeah, so taking also time to learn and to make mistakes also. I think that, that is also very important. Don't go too fast because when you're over ambitious, you go too fast and, and then you burn yourself and that's a pity. And I, in my career, I've seen it happening already with some young people around me and I think it's a pity. Mm -hmm. So Dries, thank you so much um, for this very uh, lovely conversation. I wish you uh, okay. a lot of success in these challenging times and I hope, I hope that we can uh, meet in the near future um, life. So thank you. Okay, thank you, Kat. Bye bye. Bye. Mm -hmm.